promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 122. I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city should be solidly united, where the tribes, the Lord's tribes, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for Israel. There thrones for judgment are placed, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will pursue your prosperity. Amen. Our reading for today comes from Ezekiel, chapter 3, beginning at the 16th verse. Now at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, but you do not warn him. You don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person will die for his iniquity, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have rescued yourself. Now if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly, and I put a stumbling block in front of him, he will die. If you did not warn him, he will die because of his sin and the righteous acts he did will not be remembered. Yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn the righteous person that he should not sin and he does not sin, he will indeed live because he listened to your warning and you will have rescued yourself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, continuing on here with Ezekiel, last we left him, right? He had returned to the people and he sat stunned or appalled in the midst of the people. He was angry, if you remember. He was angry that now his calling was needing to be Uh, taken up, that he was having to go to speak these words of mourning and woe to his people, to make them sad, to make them uh, repent, hopefully, uh, knowing that, for instance, the things that he loved, the temple in Jerusalem, were coming to an end, remembering that Ezekiel's a priest, and, and he has an attachment to that holy work. And now that holy work is going to be completely gone. Before God came and spoke to him, there was always probably some tinge of hope in his life, thinking that he will go back to Jerusalem and he'll take up his work in the temple. And yet now God is saying, no, that is not going to be the case. And so you are to speak for me. And he gives him this particular warning. And it comes to us within the church as well, though, that we are called 
each of us is called to be a preacher in some way, shape, or form. We're going to continue to hammer this over and over and over again until until we understand it. But we are each called to um, be a preacher in a way. And as that preacher, <laughs> uh, we are uh, given a message to preach. And that message is, return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and abounding in steadfast love. <laughs> that uh, you're turning to other things. Stop it. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord because what it is that Christ has done, you are on your way down to destruction. Death is going to consume you. Come to Christ for rest and receive the hopes of the resurrection, right? And so here, Ezekiel is to come and preach this word that all these things, all these other things that they're hoping for, all these other saviors that they're hoping for, all these other things that they think, oh, well, God put his name in Jerusalem. He put his name at the temple. He will not destroy those things. And God is saying, now, no, those things are going to be gone. Ezekiel is having to come to the people and say, all those things that you're hoping in, all those things that you're making assumptions about, those things are gone now. They're dead all that hope that you have of going back and 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 seeing the temple seeing Solomon's portico seeing the the altar casting incense upon the the incense altar that is in the holy of holies you priests all of that is going to be gone imagine that message for us we don't like it we don't like doomsday prophecy do we we don't like we don't like it because we we feel as though life is better if we just trip through life with hopes and dreams. That that's that's what we're shooting for. Never thinking that part of the message that comes to us from the Lord and most of us a lot of us have to learn it in difficulty is a message of woe. Uh, of, of warning in part not because we are going to be condemned not because we are going to be judged to death but because God is wanting to redeem us and yet we are wanting to say no you don't need to do that and he's sitting here saying well I already did in Jesus and we say no thank you I'll take my chances with Barabbas Right? We'd rather have Barabbas, a revolutionary, than the Jesus who comes to us to die for our sins. So Ezekiel is sent to the people finally to do this thing. This is the longest introduction ever, isn't it? Um, and so we get to our verses for today. And it says, now at the end of seven days, after, after there's been sort of this Sabbath rest for Ezekiel, after, after being inundated with this whole push for this message that he is to be giving, um, God finally speaks to him again. He's been waiting and God speaks to him. He says, son of man, I've made you a watchman over the house of Israel. What's a watchman? Well, think of it as one of those guys on the wall in a city or someone up in a tower. Think of, uh, of, of air traffic controllers, right? I, I'm thinking of the old style ones in, in which uh, they're, they're standing out on the balcony with the binoculars, keeping an eye on, on planes that may be coming in right? Ha- having to give warnings to the planes to be able to make sure that they land. Well, this watchman is there looking out for danger, keeping an eye out for uh, marauders, for an army coming to besiege the city. And if they see something coming, they are supposed to make it known. They ring the bell and they shout it out and make sure that people are ready to defend the city and to save their lives. 
And so Ezekiel has been made this watchman to have this job, to be able to say that something is coming. This destruction of everything that you are hoping for that isn't God is going to go away so that all you are left with is the Lord. All you are left with is God Almighty, which is all we really need. The other things get in the way and actually distract us from from God and specifically Jesus and his work. And, and so actually this warning that is coming from Ezekiel is actually gospel for us because it's God ripping away the things that keep us from clinging to him when we need him. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. Pronounce these things. Uh, watch out for the invasions. Make sure that you're not sleeping on guard duty. That's, that's a big thing in the military, right? You, you, you fall asleep on guard duty, you're liable to be executed. Why? Because you would not be awake to give ample warning to your brothers and sisters in arms to where they get a surprise attack and get killed. And so it's about saving lives, making sure that people are doing their job. And so here too, then he is not to be asleep on duty, but he is to do his job and to proclaim what it is that God has called him to proclaim. And then we get this interesting thing. If I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, but you do not warn him. You don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life. That wicked person will die for his iniquity, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. There's so many things here. If I say to the wicked person, you will surely die. So God speaks and the message is that he gives to Ezekiel, tell these people they're going to die, for instance, right? It's just an example. That's not the message he's given, but this is how God is speaking to Ezekiel right now. You're going to die. We don't usually like to say that to people, right? You know, say, oh no, ah shucks, brother, you're going to pull through. Things are going to be great. Yeah, this is not going to be the end. You, God has a wonderful plan for your life, and he's just going to make sure that everything is special. Well, you haven't spent enough time in hospitals. Uh, the amount of times as a pastor that prayers change from heal them to take them home, come Lord Jesus happen way more often than you'd think way more often than than prayers of healing the prayer of rest of come and and help them take them home give them the eternal rest and raise them up into new life new bodies born again covered in your mercies that's a way different prayer but here it's it's God says, okay, so if I tell you to go and tell these people, you are going to die and you don't do it. And then we have this addendum added to it. We have this, this parenthetical statement here. You don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life. That's an important addendum that the condemnation does not come, the judgment does not come, the spoken word of you are going to die does not come in a way to say you're burn, you're going to burn in hell, see you later. It comes as a warning of please stop. You're going to die. I know a way to save your life. Come here and let me save you. It's a proclamation of gospel promise. We always think that we never should give to give the gospel to people unless they're truly repentant, as though we know what repentance looks like. 
as though we know what uh, we we know someone's level of repentance in order to be able to judge whether they deserve the gospel or not. When in fact, Ezekiel coming to them and saying, you will surely die, is actually supposed to be a word spoken that brings gospel, that brings promise, that if you turn to the Lord, you will live, that you will find life in the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. That's the move. The move is not judgment and condemnation for the sake of judgment and condemnation and damnation. The move is about life. And we are way too busy condemning folks, judging folks, jumping on people for this thing or that thing instead of making the whole goal to bring them into life everlasting. And that is a big part of where we mess up, church. And here Ezekiel is being told, you need to go and speak this word. And if you don't, warn him. If you don't speak out, if you don't bring them back into life, it says, well, my, my promise is going to come true. It says that wicked person will die for his iniquity. Notice that the wickedness is, is tied to not turning being one who's turned away and they're being asked to turn back to the Lord. We always want to tie wickedness to behavior in the sense of smoking, drinking, dancing, playing cards that aren't Uno, that sort of thing. When when in fact the wickedness is the turning away from the Lord, the wickedness is being godless, basically. And, and here, that wicked person will die for his iniquity because I'm speaking truth, God says, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. Dude, that's huge, right? <laughs> that we that we are given a message to proclaim, to redeem life. And yet what can happen is that we don't speak and then we can can carry that burden with us, that sin with us for not doing what it is that God has asked us to do. And then that becomes a sin that we have to confess, that we have to admit to and then seek life and salvation and forgiveness in Christ. Church, God, God's not messing around here, right? He's not messing around here. So we're fine with this whole wicked person thing, right? Because then he goes on, but if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have rescued yourself. Basically saying, go do your job. They're an obstinate, hard-headed, hard-hearted people. If they don't listen, that's that's their MO. That's that's what they always do. They're going to die because of their iniquity, but you are going to rescue yourself because you are going to follow my promise and you're going to cling to my promise and you are going to be turning to me because you are going to do what I ask. Right? Now here's the big rub. Verse 20. Now, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly, and I put a stumbling block in front of him, he will die. That's a rough statement, right? If a righteous person (laughs) turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly. Reading the commentators I was reading, they're talking about this person as being a hypocrite. As being basically all of us, just if you're wondering. That's all of us. There's no one righteous. No, not one, as Romans 3 tells us. There's no one who does good. No, not one. Basically saying, when you have a person who's feigning righteousness, 
who, who privately is just as much as of a sinner as anyone else, but publicly is holding out as this great, virtuous, perfect, righteous person. If a righteous person turns from his righteousness, when, when those private sins become public, and they, they act unjustly, even, even in a way that they're thinking that they're acting righteously, but it is actually unrighteousness. It is actually unjust. And then I, this is a difficult one here. And I put a stumbling block in front of him, God says, meaning that I place something in front of him so that he stumbles, so that he falls, so, so, so that the mask falls away, that the facade gets crushed, gets cracked, gets destroyed in that fall, in that stumble. He will die because he's going around pretending, playing at righteousness, thinking that everything's hunky-dory. And he says, if you did not warn him, he will die because of his sin and the righteous acts he, will, he did will not be remembered. And that's a difficult one too, right? He will die. And if you do not warn him, actually warning righteous people, have you thought about that? The fact that there tends to be a, an assumption within the church that, well, we don't need to preach the law to, to Christians. The law is for unchristians. The law is for unbelievers. The warnings from God are for other people, not for us. No, they're, they're for us just as much as anyone else. They're for us. They, they are, are there that we have to, uh, we have to deal with them. We have to, we have to bring forward uh, the warnings from God that come to us, that speak into our ears, that drive us away for, from our presumed righteousness so that all we do is cling to the righteousness that is Christ, the righteousness that is God, uh, not thinking that somehow we are going to be the perfect ones. Because here it's, it's, you have this person that turns from their righteousness, where, where their private sins finally take over their public behavior, where what they do in private finally becomes who they are truly on the outside, because they could be doing all sorts of good things on the outside. They could be feeding people, they could be visiting people, clothing people, doing all these things, but when they get home, they're a drunk and a wife beater. So, so they do all these good things here, here, Jesus, here, God says, uh, well, all those righteous acts he did will not be remembered. Why? Because our works do not save us. So let's say that, that you, you give of your time and your talents to feed someone, right? To, to take care of somebody. And somehow we think that's going to give us a gold crown in heaven or, or jewels in our crown or, or a better mansion in heaven or, or a better level of salvation, which is a horrible, horrid American heresy being spread throughout churches in America has been for a long time. God basically sits here and goes, well, you're supposed to do that. What did I call you to do? Love one another as I have loved you. I've loved you. We love because he first loved us. And we are supposed to give of ourselves to, to act the servant that he says in, in the Gospel of Luke, that once you've done everything, all you say is, I was just being your servant, God. We, we don't take advantage of those things. Instead, we say, well, those are the, just the things that we're supposed to be doing anyways. We're supposed to be loving our neighbors and, and doing all those things. And yet we do not cling to those things. 
we do not think that somehow those things redeem us. Because they're not going to be there. When we die, they are gone. There's nothing there for us to cling to and say, but God, I did this or that. There is no but God with Jesus. Instead, it is just Christ and only Christ for us. And here again, the warning comes to Ezekiel. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, which is bring these warnings of turning to life, stop playing the game, stop with the facade, take the mask off, son, daughter. Stop pretending that everything is all right because we know that it's not. And instead, allow Christ to wash you, to make you his own. Find the rest in that, because isn't it so hard to pretend every day? Isn't that just difficult? Isn't that brutal to play the game of life, to pretend that somehow you've got it all together? Instead, cast those things aside, church. Cast those things aside, beloved. Allow yourself to be exposed because Christ only comes for real sinners, not fake righteous people. He finally finishes verse 21. If you warn the righteous person that he should not sin and he does not sin, he will indeed live because he listened to your warning and you will have rescued yourself. Notice where the life comes. The life comes for the righteous person, not in his righteousness, not in his good deeds, but it comes in listening, hearing the word of the Lord and taking it to heart, having it wash over us and change us. That is the work of the gospel. That is the work of Christ. That is the work of who it is that has come to us to speak to us, to make us his own. That is the call for each of us church as preachers. Let us pray. Stir up your power, Lord Christ, and come. By your merciful protection, save us from the threatening dangers of our sins and enlighten our walk in the way of your salvation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, it is Advent. I hope you have a wonderful beginning of this new season as we make our way towards Bethlehem and eventually towards Jerusalem with Lent. This is the beginning of the festival season in the church in which we join up again into the old, old story of what it is Christ has done. Rest in that. Uh, Please share this with uh, whoever you desire uh, that we might get the message out of the love and mercy and grace of God found in Jesus given for you. That being said, go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.